Welcome to The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you've experienced the loss of someone close to you, Dr. Connie and her guests will share guidance, love, and support to help keep you moving. Now, here is Dr. Connie. Welcome and thanks for listening in to The Widow's Walk. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Connie Mariano, and this is our July show. And I called this show Steps Along the Widow's Walk. And I want to share something with you, a very interesting and timely story about this podcast. I had originally planned to put in this slot a previously recorded show, or actually previously recorded broadcast that I had made in January of this year before this show launched. This show officially launched in February 23rd of this year for Widow's Walk. And instead, I, I had some friends visiting from out of town. And my friends were my late husband, John's friends, Peter Conker Good and Barbara Landau from Canada. Well, they were visiting me in Scottsdale in January, and I wanted them to be on my Widow's Walk because Peter had been a widower for several years, and Barbara had been a widow, and they got together years ago. And they were uh, just an amazing couple and, and were proof that there is love after losing your spouse, and we're just such a happy couple. Uh, Peter had uh, been one of John's oldest friends. He had met my late husband, John, when John was just a teenager in Canada. In fact, Peter and his first wife were neighbors of my late husband, John's parents. So he met John when John was 16 years old. And Peter was John's mentor. He was instrumental in getting John to attend the University of Toronto. He got him interested in mechanical engineering, which Peter, uh, which John did. And in a lot of ways, Peter was a father figure and mentor to John. He also loved flying, and so he and John had flown several times in airplanes and gliders. And after Peter lost his wife to cancer, he went on the widower's journey in which they they date and they meet different women trying to find someone. You never try to replace your spouse. You just, you want to meet people. You didn't want to be alone. And he met the amazing Dr. Barbara Landau, who is a psychologist in Canada. She is also the recipient of so many awards, including the highest civilian award in Canada, the Order of Canada. And Barbara was also a widow. So at the time they met, they connected, they became a loving couple, and were companions together. And they attended my late husband John's celebration of life in 2019. And they visited me in Scottsdale in January this year before this show started, as I mentioned. So I asked them to pre-record in studio with me an interview that I was going to air this at this time on this date because the progression of the show was I wanted to talk about widows and widowers and how they moved on for relationships after losing their spouse, how they found a new partner. So we taped the show in January, and the, st- and the, um, the Voice America folks saved it for me in this time slot. And then 48 hours ago, uh, our show's executive producer, Sandra, called me to say she had bad news. She said that that pre-recorded show in January was accidentally, inadvertently taped over by another employee who's moved on, but was taped over to put a new show over it. So they didn't have a show to put in this slot. That show in January with Peter and Barbara was gone forever. 
And I was totally heartbroken because it was a great show with their wisdom and it had their voices. And so I was getting ready to email Barbara and Peter to let them know what had happened. I even had the draft of the email <clears throat> in my in my outgoing box ready to go. And I was busy this morning getting the script ready because I always prepare a script for these shows. And all of a sudden this morning, as I was working on the script for this show, I get an email from Barbara in Canada. And it was this. It said, Dear family and caring friends, so sad to share the news that last night, Peter died of heart failure. He struggled for more than six months with a miserable cocktail of heart and lung issues that sapped his strength. He was so lucky to spend wonderfully quality time with the children, his children and grandchildren, in person and by heartfelt messages and FaceTime over the past few months that was incredibly helpful and lovingly supportive. We have appreciated all the wonderful messages of care, concern, and hope for this lovely man, all while on a roller coaster. We will keep people informed when there is a celebration of his wonderful life. And this was shared by his loving partner, Dr. Barbara Landau. So I am stunned by this. I am sad because to lose another connection to my late husband, Peter. Uh, Peter Conkergood oh, is lost, who was John's dear mentor. And, and so he is passed. And I see this as a sign to me in a lot of ways from God, from spirit, from my beloved John. And I say, so what does this mean now that, that this happened? Number one, I think it was perhaps meant to be. I had planned the recording. He died the night before. The recording's gone. No guest is lined up. So the show must, must go on, as they say. So I had to be on this show. And as you know, my previous shows, I wasn't alone. I always had a guest in studio. And instead, I have photographs in studio I'm looking at. I'm looking at a photograph of John and I taken on February 21, 2019, in studio here, Voice America. And he did that show with me on House Calls, my other show. And it was on The Power of Partners. That was the third show John had done with me on my radio show, which actually he gave to me as a gift about 10 years ago. Now, what husband gives his wife a radio show to say, all right, sweetie, go ahead and talk. And I thought, what a gift that is to have a partner who is your biggest fan, who encourages you to do that. It's like having a partner encourages you to go spend things, spend money, right? Honey, go, go spend some money. So in his case, he funded my show, my first show. And I loved it because he knew it made me happy. So how you know it's a perfect partner? They bring you joy and laughter and help you be the best you can be, and they're your biggest fan. So I'm looking at this photograph of my late husband, John, who passed away four years ago this month. And I'm also behind it looking at a frame photo of my widow gal pals, or as I call the, the girls in the hood. And there are six of them. There are seven of us in the picture. And three of them have actually been on my show before to talk. So I'm grateful as I look at this in studio, I'm not alone. I am physically the only one here, but I have a lot of spirits here and angels helping me. So I'm alone in the sense that I'm your only guest speaking, but I'm not alone in terms of what spirit has. So John would remind me as I was struggling to do this show, he would re tell me again what he told me when I wrote my book 15 years ago, The White House Doctor. He would say, 
darling, sweetheart, write the damn book. Just do it. This time he's telling, telling me, do the damn bo- podcast by yourself in your own voice. You know, you, he's telling me, have interviewed so many people. You need to interview yourself and let others listen to your story. So as I look at what happened to the original podcast that was planned with Peter and Barbara, I may have lost Peter's voice in this recording, but I will always share his memory of the times with him and the memory and photos of he and John and our times together with them. And I think now about the widow's journey, which can also be the widower's journey. And it really boils down to this. What is the journey of widowhood? It is about going from we to me. And then the question as you pause is, who is me? What is left of the me? What's the new me? And if a widow or widower is ever fortunate to become a we again with somebody else, who is that new me? So isn't that interesting, a little rhyme? From we to me and back to we, being the best me I can be. Sometimes simple things make it fun in a childlike way. So the intent of this show is to help anyone who's grieving, to help honor their voice, our voice, the widow's voice, the memory of our lost ones and our grief, and to help others to accept what's happened, that there's no longer a physical we in this life, but to turn now to me. This is my time. It's like, who's Connie now without John and Connie? Well, there was always Connie before John. There was... Dr. Mariano Connie, there was a White House doctor Connie, there was Admiral Connie, there was the Connie that was a mom to two sons and a grandmother to her little sweet grandkids. So who is me now that my John is not in this life? And I always say, you know, I will survive. I will always survive, but how can I do it in a way that I am the best person I can be and in a way that honors the best aspects of my late husband. What did I learn from my husband, John? What qualities did he pass on to me when he passed on that allow me to be the best human being, the best person I can be in his memory? So today's show is the sixth podcast of my 12 podcasts in this series on Voice America for Widow's Walk. In many ways, it's going to help me write my second book because for so long, I kept thinking, well, my second book is going to be on longevity. And I had already planned the outline of that book years ago. I was going to call it the 11 Presidential Secrets to Longevity. And I was going to base it on my observations of taking care of three American presidents and then studies on the American presidency and why those particular people, those men, those previous presidents we've had, have lived longer than the people who put them into office. So why do American presidents live so long? And some people argue it's because they're wealthy or they have access to care, but we find they have other characteristics. And the question is, what is it about their lives, their practices, the things they do, the things in their lives that we, who are non-presidents in the United States, can adopt in our lives that help us live long, productive, vital lives? But that was not meant to be at this time. That was superseded by the next book, the number two book, which I will write, which will be about my journey as a widow. And then the third book, I think, will be about longevity. But right now, one book at a time, although I know authors who write multiple books at once, but 
I don't have that amount of focus to do that. So the book that does need to be born from this radio show is called The Turnaround, From White House Doctor to Widow. Now, how did I come up with the turnaround question? That's the question. The turnaround really comes from John. John, in business, was known as the turnaround guy. He was a Harvard MBA engineer who was known for being hired into companies to be the cleanup guy. When a company was failing, was dying, he was almost like a trauma surgeon for corporations. He was a resuscitative guy to come in, take care of the mess, or as he says, take out the garbage, change the culture, fix it, and help it go profitable. So that's, a te- that's his definition. The definition, if you look in the uh, Wikipedia and the dictionary, a turnaround is a sudden and abrupt change that brings about a favorable outcome. So you ask, okay, how does that apply to you, Connie? Well, becoming a sudden widow, I am, definitely so. Because July 1st, 2019, four years ago this month, I became a sudden widow when John's glider crash landed atop a mountain in Nephi, Utah. He loved soaring. He loved racing in his sailplanes ever since he was 16 years old. He had retired from industry from his CEO positions about five years prior. And so he spent his time in the summers competing in glider competitions around the country. And I would be ground crew. I would be there to help him to be supportive, to cheer him on, to help take care of the glider. And that was my joy to be supportive of what he loved to do. So every summer he would compete in these special events. And two days before he passed, he came in first among 65 pilots in the competition in Nephi. And it was truly a happy moment for him. He said it was second and happiest to when we were married on June 5th, 2010. And I used to ask him, so what do you get when you win a glider competition? And he said, I said, do you get money? You get a trophy? He says, no, no, I don't get any of that. We get bragging rights. And that was the best part. So when he was named the contest winner of the day two days before his death among 65 pilots they announced it and he got up in front of a hundred hundred some pilots and their ground crew in this large hangar in Nephi Utah and he gave his his speech and it was such a moment at which I can hear a little voice tell me you need to record this so I took out my iPhone and I recorded his speech And it was that video that I played at his celebration of life a few months later. And his final message to the pilots was a quote he had used often that was given by Winston Churchill, whom John admired. And in the quote, this is what he shared from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not final. It is the courage to continue that counts. So it is one of the lessons and messages for widows and widowers or anyone grieving is death is not final. Your loved one is not gone forever. They're not physically here with you. Their body's not here. (coughs) Their carbon footprint is not here. But their spirit, their soul lives on. They might have died in this world, but your relationship continues. It never dies. The memories never die things go away. doesn't matter how much stuff you had in this world. 
it's stuff, what stays forever, your memories and the love you shared and their energy is always there. Then the question we have and the channel, the channel that I use for this show and the purpose is, so how do we go on as widows and widowers and those who grieve? How do we continue in the aftermath of losing our loved one? If we accept that failure is not final, that death isn't final, so we summon our courage to move on, just as Winston Churchill has said, we must go on. We have to have the courage. And there is really the journey from we to me. So the remainder of this show, I'm going to share my thoughts about widowhood and moving on. And one of my friends has said, and we've quoted what widows believe, that you never get over it when your spouse dies. You just get stronger. You have to get stronger. So this month, as I said, I became a widow of four years. And there are times that it seems like a very long time ago that John passed away. And other days, it seems like yesterday. And that's when the tears flow and the words that I say, I miss you. And I repeated it over and over again. I miss you. But I also grieve and miss the Connie that was a part of you and the life we had together. And there are songs that can trigger it. Every widow will tell you what triggers the tears. Or all of a sudden, the tears start flowing. The tsunami of tears, as I call them. The memories of life we had and that we had together. But I also believe that John is forever with me. And I, a lot of times I know that I will see him again in the next life. But until then, I have a lot of work left for me to do. And I think this is one of the reasons I do this show, that it gives me hope. It also connects me with other widows. Because if I can help somebody, my pain is less. And one of the things I always believe in is this, may my pain be someone else's gain. That whatever I'm going through right now, whatever I'm struggling with, what do I learn that I can help somebody else who's going through something very similar to me? So widowhood, I really believe, is my toughest journey ever. It's harder than medical school. It's harder than working at the White House as White House physician. It's harder than being a parent. It's harder than any physical ailments I ever had. It is the hardest, hardest thing I've ever been through in my entire life. We all grieve in our own way, in our own timetable. You never get over it. You just get stronger. And the statistics are amazing. A lot of us don't even realize it until we're widows, that over 700,000 new widows each year in our country. The average age of a first-time widow is 57. 75% of married women will be widows. One in 10 widows lives in poverty. And then 16% of widows remarry. 61% of widowers remarry. So as I look at our past shows and what we've learned, I want to go over those a little bit and, and point out the things that have struck me as the lessons that I want to share in this podcast today as I reflect on the show and what the show is going to have in the, in the sessions ahead. I began this show in February with my special guest, Michelle Whittington, Dr. Reverend Michelle Whittington, who, of all people, connected me through my eyelash extension friend, Nia. You know, women get connected in fascinating ways. I get connected to other widows, 
and to intuitive mediums through my hairdresser, Tony Lacombe. And I get connected through to my minister friend at Unity Phoenix, Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center, and a fellow widow, Dr. Reverend Michelle Whittington. And on that show, we talked about the journey itself, the widow's walk, and that where it came from. It's like the widow's walk or the cupola they have on these houses in New England. It came from the seafaring days where the wives of the, the whalers or the ship's captains would go out to sea and then would never come back. And the widow or soon-to-be widow would be walking up there like waiting and they never come home. So in that show, like every show in which there is widows, I asked the widow to share about what made him a widow. And I think, what's the purpose, right? Why do, we, why do widows do that? I think it's to honor that relationship. And if you ever talk to a widow, ask them, because it's not going to hurt them to recount their husband about their life, because every time we talk about those who have passed physically, we honor their memory. It doesn't make them, a lot of people don't want to go there because I don't want to make her cry or relive that. I think the worst things that somebody could do is is tell you, well, he's in a better place. It's like, no, he's not. If he were, he'd be with me. But yeah, perhaps he is. But I think the best thing you could do, I think, is say, I'm sorry for your loss. One of the greatest things people will tell me is that remember and say, I remember how happy he was with you. I remember how much he loved you. I remember he was your biggest fan. Some memory really helps. And again, simply, I'm sorry for your loss. And then allow us to share a little bit about them in the present tense because their memory is still alive with us. And so that's really the lesson from there. And Michelle had so many words of wisdom about her journey as a minister, as someone who believes in the afterlife, as I do, and spirituality, that our loved ones are with us. The second show we did in March was working with my therapist friend called The Walk Begins. And my friend, Dr. Edie Yoder, is a therapist who works with a lot of people. And she has helped me, as well as many of my clients, or many of my patients, walk that journey when you're suddenly given the word you're a widow. And in the beginning, it is overwhelming. I call it shock and awe. You get the news. Every widow remembers how they were told. And then a lot of work begins. And I was very fortunate that I had a personal assistant, Sally, to help me keep track of things. I had a wonderful estate attorney, Mike Murphy, who uh, appeared on one of my shows after this show. And I had family and friends who were supportive and loving. My friends would check on me every night because now I would go home to an empty house. I made sure my sons were able to track my whereabouts in case I was missing for some reason. I made sure I took care of myself because there's a high morbidity, mortality rate among widows within the first three years after their husband's death. But there's a lot of work to be done, right? It's like death and taxes. You're never done with them. Can't leave this life without them. So it's the legal stuff. It's getting how many death certificates. What do you do about his remains? Do you bury him? Do you cremate him? And I was very fortunate to have Messenger Mortuary here in town, did a beautiful job. What kind of, you want a funeral? Do you, what do you want for a service? Who do you invite? There's a celebration of life. 
the widow then becomes the mourner in chief. Everybody looks to you, but you're also comforting those friends and family who have lost a loved one as well. So that becomes outside of your element to help them. And that's really what a lot of the widow does. You are tasked with more things to do. So I'm going to take a brief pause here in this show, and we'll come back in a few minutes on Widow's Walk to talk about the widow's journey and lessons from previous shows and what to expect next. So stay tuned on Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to The Widow's Walk. Remember to check out the show page on the Voice America website for more episodes. Now, back to Dr. Connie. Welcome back to Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie. I am in studio by my own lonesome little self, but I'm not really alone. I've got lots of my little angels here in spirit helping me through this show. So I was reviewing all the past shows that lead up to this point and the things I've learned, but in the sense that I'm interviewing myself, what did I learn on my personal journey of widowhood and what can I do to help other widows listening in? One of my special guests in my third episode of Widow's Walk in April was with my state attorney, Mike Murphy, who is a brilliant, kind, conscientious estate attorney who is a former CPA. Because as I say, you can't get out of this life without doing taxes and all the legal stuff. And he's amazing in terms of understanding, but there's the nuts and bolts about death, right? It's paperwork to be signed, it's an estate, it's paying your taxes, but it makes you pause and think about are my affairs in order? I, I talk to my patients in clinic every year when I do their annual exam, and I ask them privately or individually, do you have your state set up? What is your advanced directive? Who is your health care power of attorney? 
who do you want to have your protective health information shared with? Is it your spouse? But the important thing, what is your advanced directive? If you're in a persistent vegetative state, what would you do? If you are diagnosed with a cancer and I can't bring you back, you know, from a terminal state, what would you like? What are your desires? What is your, what is your faith like? What's important to you, right? But also make sure that the, your, your assets are taken care of. They're clear. You've outlined what you want done. What do you want for your burial? What's important to you? What do you want to leave to certain people? Please outline those things. It alleviates a lot of things for the survivors to work with. So I talk about that very much so, but also taking care of yourself. You don't want to wind up passing too quickly because, as I said, there's a high rate of illness among widows. And among widows who really suffer, uh, definitely if there are widows who are suicidal, get help immediately. Widows do struggle with depression and anxiety of loneliness. And so I, I tell them, I always connect them with a bereavement counselor or a therapist who can work with them. I connect them with other widow groups. In every major city, there are widow groups, bereavement groups. You can meet them at your church. If you don't have a church, believe it or not, mortuaries will have a list of bereavement groups. There are many online that you can meet with. And a lot of times, you'll find you become a widow magnet. You run into places and somebody knows a widow and if you just meet them for lunch, just just lunch, you know, you can talk with them and, and share a lot of what you're going through because you're not alone. I think the hardest thing to go through this is knowing you're alone. And I think back on my journey, losing John in J July of 2019, for the next couple months is just being busy with my sadness, my loneliness, figuring what happens next. And... I always think it's quite interesting, the part that where I'm really not alone because John's spirit is with me. And in that, what I mean is that I will believe there is an afterlife, there's a purpose that we're here, and that our loved ones never go away. And perhaps this is my coming out of the closet confession on the air, that I embrace what we call woo-woo. Woo-woo, as we jokingly say, is embracing the metaphysical, it's embracing listening to what astrologers say, psychics and mediums say. I have friends who are astrologers. I have friends who are psychics. And I have friends who are mediums. I find them fascinating. My late husband, John, would know about this. And he would say, I thought you're a woman of science. And I said, I am a woman of science, but only science goes so far. So many years, for many years, I've been fascinated by their talent. Uh, the White House, my goodness, Nancy Reagan believed in psychics. I think it, she, her psychic predicted that President Reagan would have an attempt on his life. Something was going to happen. But it's also the spirituality of it. I grew up Catholic in the Catholic Church. But I also see a lot of the spiritual side of that in addition to the rules of Catholicism. Uh, I, there are things that I call kisses from heaven in which I believe my late husband John connects with me. And I'm told that a lot of times it's in dreams. The first dream I had of John was a few weeks after he died. I'm in this dream. I'm at my office. I come out of the office into the parking lot where my car is parked. And he pulls up in his car beside my car. And I see him instantly. I run towards him. And as I'm doing it, I let 
go of my keys, I let go of my briefcase and with my laptop, and I run into his arms. And as soon as I run into his arms, he disappears. He dissolves because I instantly hear this voice. He's no longer here. He's dead. And he disappears. And I wake up sobbing. So that's a dream. But the second time he shows up, it's not a dream. People say it's a visitation because they say spirit visits you and you're not crying. So this one I always remember. This came about a month later after his death. And in this appearance in my sleep, we are in our airplane, which is a TBM. It's a beautiful plane. He used to fly it to our other homes. We're very blessed. And in it, I'm in his seat in the cockpit, and he's sitting in my seat in the cockpit. In, uh, he's, I'm in the pilot seat. And we're on our runway, getting ready to ta- We're taxiing, and I know how to do that because I've taken the course on that. And <clears throat> I still remember it distinctly. As I'm taxiing on the runway, he looks at me, and he had the most beautiful, brilliant blue eyes. And he says, listen, sweetheart, when things go rough, keep flying the plane keep flying the plane. And I woke up. And I said, okay, I'll write that down. And shortly thereafter, the pandemic hit. And we were all forced to stay inside. And so I kept practicing medicine. I would telemed call with my patients. I didn't quit my practice. I kept seeing patients. In fact, I got more patients during that time. But I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I just kept going. So I guess when I look back, the gift of the pandemic was it forced me to work from home. I actually sort of like it. But it also made me grieve fully because it really hit home that he was never coming back again. That he would not show up in the driveway anymore. He would not come into the home I lived in. I would not get a phone call from him. I wouldn't get a text or an email from him anymore. That that wasn't going to happen in this lifetime, that I was physically alone by myself. And I better like myself, right? So I also experienced peace and solitude and really embracing that. And then thinking a lot, praying a lot, connecting with people but not being distracted. And I think for me, it kept me from being distracted from traveling everywhere. Because as, as we grieve... You want to do the process of grieving. You can never get rid of it instantly. There's no magic pill. We all do the walk. It's a walk, one step at a time. It's not a sprint. It's not a jog necessarily. And if you don't walk, you stagnate and it cripples you. So that's the metaphor I use about the walk. But it made me think about what's my purpose. I've lost the person who was the closest to me that I'd ever known. So part of me died. So what's my purpose now that I'm here? Why was I meant to come into this life? So you do a lot of introspection, and I think that's healthy. That's healthy for me. If he could die, so can I. 100%. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. But the soul never dies. So until that happens, why am I here? Why am I still here? What did I come into this life to do? And so I look at soul purpose. Why am I here? And that's a good thing to ask. Why did I pick this life? If, If you believe that... Our souls pick the lives we're in. Why did I pick this life? What's my purpose? And if you believe in soul contracts, that we come into this life for purpose, and we meet people, and they come into our lives for that purpose, 
And once they fulfill that contract, they move on. Then it gives me a little comfort. Maybe it's a little woo-woo out there and strange, you may say. But you know what? It works for me, right? I don't have to take meds for it. I don't have to see my psychiatrist friends as much for that. It gives me comfort. It gives me peace. So when I think of John, what, what really helps me be the best I can be are the things he taught me. He was, in many ways, larger than life. Larger than life. He embraced life with a gusto. He knew what joy was about. He had the biggest laugh. He was a messenger of joy, of, of playing. He loved to play, and his form of play was, was his soaring, his gliding. He loved to play golf, but I think it was because he connected with people. I think in his way, his message, being a big guy, was he got people's attention. And soaring, the metaphor is he lifts you up. So what can I do to be larger than life to get people's attention is by my writing, through my podcasts, from my messages to them. I pick a bigger audience when I'm on my podcasts or if I do anything with the media. So if I get people's attention, what is my message? And my prayer is that may my message be one that lifts them up as a sailplane does. May I be a thermal which is that heat rising. Maybe it's hot air, perhaps, but it lifts people up in that thermal. And John would call it, whenever I would do my radio show or whenever I would be speaking in front of a large group, he said, embrace your thermal. Go into your thermal because you are the most alive in your thermal. And then also, in addition to being somebody who soars in their thermal, in their purpose, also be ground crew, be grounded. Be grounded in humility and honesty and kindness. And I've seen that more so ever before. What we need is to be kinder to people, especially now, post-pandemic, post-political unrest and division, post-anxiety that what we see in this country among our young people, among each other, that we are less patient, we're more stressed, we're more anxious, and we're less kind how do I become a kind, loving person in the face of loss? Do I have to make other people pay for my loss? Well, no, that's not what I want to do. How can I be a best person in that? So as I look back and forth with my journey and I look at what this show has done for me, I look at the show I did with my fellow widow, Nancy Picuccio. And Nancy is a beautiful soul I met through... Uh, our hairdresser of all things and we did the show back in May about becoming the new me and Nancy had been a widow for about five or six years she was married for many years her husband Angelo died of cancer so actually she had been a widow for seven years at the time of our show but she started dating after Angelo died because he would want her to move on he he would want her to be happy. She was a young widow. And she talked about the challenges of widows finding a partner again. And as I said, only 16% of widows remarry. Doesn't mean they, they meet somebody or partner up with somebody or have a companion. Now, why is that? Why is their number so low? And a lot of it is widows like the independence and the freedom that many of them are fortunate to be financially independent. And they 
want the freedom to do what they want to do, to travel, to be spending time with their children and their grandchildren. But there's also a saying in the widowhood community that I don't want to be a nurse and I don't want to be a purse. And I understand that. But I also don't want to wish a widow to be alone, to be physically alone. And after four years, I can understand why widows don't want to be alone anymore because you miss having another human being to talk to. I'm very fortunate. I have my widow friends that I meet very often, at least once a week. We do lunch, we do breakfast, we do dinner. Uh, one of my widow gal pals I've known for 22 years, Georgia Bunn, who's been on my other show, House Calls, is a businesswoman, a mom, grandmother, a dear friend of mine, would visit me at least once every couple months. I would, used to say that was that time of month, Georgia would visit. And she has been widowed now seven years, and we would come and t- she'd come and talk and we'd share our journey together because there's a reason we are together. So we would say that. But I would continue in my sense that all the things that John said about keep flying the plane, I am doing. I'm still practicing medicine. I plan to practice for a long time, but not to the extent that it occupies me 24-7, which this practice tends to do. But I love my patients, so I'm bringing on a new doctor to join me starting in September, and we'll get a chance to interview her on one of my shows. So she's going to come join me, my new doctor. She'll take on a portion of my patients. I'll still carry the bulk. And I will still keep current in medicine, because I think in a lot of ways, my practice of medicine keeps me alert. It keeps me current in the state of art of medicine. It keeps me relevant. But it also gives me my ability to connect with human beings on that level. But what I want to do more of, as in this case, is as a widow, my journey to be the best I can be, is to continue to write this book on widowhood to help other widows out there, to connect with them, and to often offer a source of hope and light and ways to help people grow. It's really a form of healing for others, and really not only to help widows, but widowers and parents who grieve. And and that really brought us to our, our last show from June, was the show about shining light on children who have passed And that was an amazing show. I've got a lot of great reviews from that show. We had a mom, Erica Clifford from Spokane, who lost her sweet little almost two-year-old daughter, Savannah, to sudden unexplained death in children's syndrome uh, a few years past. Actually, in 2019, that's when, right before my John died. And so little Savannah passed, but Savannah's spirit is so strong that she lives on in the hearts of Erica and her husband Mitchell and the people who knew this little sweet soul. It's a powerful little soul because Erica and her husband and family set up the Savannah Piper Clifford Foundation to raise funds for research into the causes of sudden unexplained death in childhood. And on that show, we had Elizabeth Wasson, who's the president and co-founder of Helping Parents Heal. And Elizabeth lives here in Cave Creek, and I've connected these two amazing moms whose children are still with us in, law, in, in spirit. They've passed. They never say they died. They say they transitioned. They passed on. They honor their memory. But as you think of loss, I could have think of no other more 
devastating loss and to lose your child, especially at a young age. But the courage that <laughs> sitting here hearing Erica share her story of the finding her little one has passed physically from this life is is devastating. It took courage to do that. It took courage to move on and to honor that life, but also to grow and to become a stronger, more loving, kind spirit from that. And to know that and believe that your little one has not died, that she is forever with you and that you honor her in all the good deeds that you do. And I think that really, in a lot of ways, is part of that walk that we make as, as widows. How can I make my pain help others out there? How can I be a better human being? Knowing that, that there's got to be more than this life. And that a lot of it is not being about me. That the greatest joy isn't the focus about what's in it for me, is what can I give to others? The joy is in the giving. It's not in the taking. And, and that's in a lot of ways the paradox about being back to me. Me, the me that can be the happiest is when you don't focus on me. You focus on everybody else. That's where the ultimate joy comes in. Because I see that in my practice where I have patients who are incredibly wealthy, affluent, famous people. And the sorrow that they come in with is about relationships. It's about loss. It's about a marriage that's unhappy. It's about disconnection with their children. And a lot of times the root of it, it's about me. It's about my personal feelings, my this, my that. If you direct the me away from you and you focus on everyone else there, you honor that and you give love to them and patience, the me actually gets better. The, the me actually gets happier, right? It's the joy of the giving back to the me. So in a lot of ways, you benefit more as me or I by letting it focus on the we. So I'm just playing with words there a little bit. Maybe is wordplay. So the other shows that I have planned coming up are what we do for the new me. What's the new normal look like? So I'll be interviewing Sandra Mackey, who's one of our widow friends, my widow friend, who's been on my show before in the past. So she's going to come on on one of our shows and talk about carrying on her life as a widow after six years of taking care of her husband who died uh, of stroke. And she took care of him till the very end. And then she was able to move forward to find someone to love her. And in the meantime, kept very busy with her job and her career as, a, as an executive with her company. I also will interview many others who are actually sent to me to help widows out there and, and people who grieve. I will need to ask one of my widower friends to come on my show to share his journey of losing his wife several years ago and also interview my widower and widow friends who decided that they would be together because I have some great stories and I'm really blessed to have patients and friends who have been a lot of ways examples. But in the end, it comes down to how do I get better? How do I recover? You have to be willing to do the walk I have, I'm aware of several widows who have lost their husbands 
and are in denial. They just sort of cut out family members and uh, the grandparents of their late husband's children and and just sort of in denial. And it, I don't think that's healthy in the sense that allows you to accept that death. They're in denial, but somehow sooner or later, I think it comes back. Somehow that grief comes back. And I think if you fully accept that they have moved forward and it isn't about you, it's about them. I think the biggest comfort I have knowing through my medium friends is that when John died, he passed quickly. He died being joyful and happy and fulfilling his mission in this life. And he suffered no pain. And he's in the most happy place of all. And he's in heaven. I have to believe that. And if somebody argues with me, what I would just say, listen, we disagree. I choose to believe this way because it brings me comfort and joy. I don't need any medicines for this. And perhaps if you believe that, you know, if I'm mistaken, but so let me believe that. That helps me in my life. It serves me well. It allows me to be a best person I can be. I'm a productive citizen. I pay my taxes. I do all the things that people would say are good and honest things. And I find joy in these kisses from heaven that John will send me in music, in numbers, in dreams. I think and believe that he is never truly gone, that a tiny miracle happens just as today for this show, that his oldest friend has passed on the night before that show was supposed to appear, and that show no longer exists. Even though it tells me the message is, their voices aren't here in this life anymore, but their memories live on, and he's still on that side of tremendous peace and joy, of anything that brings us comfort as we do this journey on Widow's Walk. So I can't believe the time is over for this podcast, like all things do end, but they continue in a different way. So I want to end this podcast today in July, now that I'm a widow of four years, I keep counting, but it, you know, when are you over, when do you stop counting? I don't know when you stop counting, but I know that I will always have John in my memory, that the things I learned from him, will, the best parts of him that I shared that were our life will stay for me to help me the best I can be, and that's part of the walk. So thanks for listening in to Widow's Walk. I wish you joy, and I wish you peace, my dears. Take care, and until next month, God bless. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. We hope you've gained some peace and maybe even a glimmer of hope as you continue to move forward in your life. Until we talk again, have a beautiful day.